Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> hey guys, it's ZDog MD, VP MD, Vinay Prasad, Marty McCary. Three M's. Three M's. Good to see you guys. Good Dude, it's the, we're the three horsemen you. of the COVID apocalypse, according to <laughs> pretty much everybody. We're doing a show. We're going to talk about all things. We're going to talk about therapeutics, boosters. We're going to talk about Omicron. I like to say it, uh, put the accent on the wrong syllable because uh-huh. it sounds more like a Decepticon than ever. Um, and we're going to talk about why we're sitting so close together. Why don't you start? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't have a third microphone. Yeah. He doesn't have a third microphone. I, you know, my supporters fund the show and they're cheap. <laughs> they're so cheap. No, no. All these resources. No, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. We're right on being each other. that close. Or is this an unboosted contact? We're unmasked, unboosted, <laughs> and unrepentant, Marty. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an unboosted male. That's my preferred pronoun, by the way. Oh, is that your pronoun, yeah. unboosted male? Yeah. Yes, I. Uh, my pronouns are it, they, those, and uh, <laughs> currently unboosted because I got Moderna, which apparently kicks ass. Yeah. Like, it's a good vaccine. Yeah. I'm 48. I don't have a lot of comorbidities. I have some clotting stuff, but I've never clotted. It's just like theoretical 23andMe. Thank you very much. So how about you? Are you, you boosted? You know too much about yourself. I... Uh... <laughs> It's a HIPAA violation to ask someone if they're. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's yeah, not. never mind. No, it's not. Never no, mind. You don't have to. Pri- no, privacy no. is dead, my no, no, friend. No, but, but privacy do, is dead. But, right but now. I do see that uh, people do say that. That's not true. It's not HIPAA. You can, of course, ask anyone their status. But no, I haven't gotten my booster yet. Um, and boosters. You mean this week? You haven't got you because you do weekly boosters. Uh, I'm sure. Well, right? eventually oh, yeah. we're all going to okay. have to keep boosting. You know my uh, yeah, my uh, my vaccine card looks like one of those like frequent flyer like coffee cards where they punch the hole. <laughs> like I got I boosted here and boosted here and boosted here and when I get ten boosters, Fauci sends me a Fauci bobblehead that says I am the science. I'm getting my booster sent with the GNC nutrition uh, <laughs> vitamins. They have the same <laughs> evidence. Yeah. <laughs> What are the what are the odds we get canceled now with the three time oh this canceling is, so I, incumbents I get yelled at for platforming each one of you separately <laughs> now I all we need to do is bring Jay Bhattacharya and Monica Gandhi here and we'll have like the horsemen of the apocalypse oh, and Twitter will just melt it will just turn into goo nice. yeah. <laughs> so the booster thing what yeah. is the deal with that Marty mm-hmm. yeah everybody forgot that the FDA external experts voted down boosters for everybody by a 16 to two vote just nine weeks ago, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a variant that came maybe from South Africa, and the immediate first response we have is, we gotta boost every single adult, even if they had a natural immunity from prior infection. It's almost as if we, there's no association whatsoever between 
boosting a young, healthy person and Omicron because we haven't, don't we have any data on? We don't know anything about it, right? Yeah, we know nothing. I mean, I think that's the paradox of what what they were saying was they were saying that, you know, we don't know anything about this. At the same time, we have information that changes our booster recommendation. Both those things can't be true. If you have no new information about the variant, you can't change your recommendation. Otherwise, you could have changed it three weeks ago, but there's a reason why they voted against it. You want to get into that? Why, Why did they not say a 20-year-old man who doesn't work in healthcare. You know, so they did have an allowance for 18 and up if you worked in healthcare. But if you don't work in healthcare, the committee did not want those people to be boosted nine weeks ago, as you say. We're blurring, you know, when people say boost people who are over who are over age 65. Yes, definitely. At least that'll reduce their risk, right? right. And by the way, it's important to quantify what that reduction is. Mm-hmm. It's a tenfold reduction in hospitalization from an already very low risk of hospitalization. So what is the risk of hospitalization in a fully vaccinated American? According to the CDC website, it's one in 26,000. It's 3.8 per 100,000 per week. And that was at the peak of Delta, by the way. That was early September. So if I told you, hey, you've got a level of protection that's where the risk of hospitalization is one in 26,000, I'm going to give you the option to lower that to one in 260,000. Some people might say yes. Mm-hmm. Other people might say there are side effects and ultra rare serious complications. I'm not going – I'm okay with the risk tolerance of one in 26,000. By the way, who is that one person out of every 26,000? The only state that gives us a breakdown of, the, of breakthrough hospitalizations – North Dakota, mm, of course, tells us the average age is seventy-three, and the average age of a breakthrough death is eighty. <sighs> and if you look at a population of eighty-year-olds, their time to death in general is not that long. So it's kind of like, what what are we really doing in terms of vaccinating healthy young people? Uh, in terms of boosters, right? Like, I look, I get, I understand the argument to vaccinate healthy young people as a herd effect and a community benefit, and also some of those kids will actually get sick. You know, it'll be a small number, but they'll get sick and they'll clog up the hospitals and that kind of thing, and they'll expose grandma and so on. But that's why you vaccinate them. With the two doses. With the primary series, right. Exactly. But I guess, Marty, your point is, um, and the figures you're giving, that I think, if anything, somebody might say that those are like the upper bound figures of risk reduction yeah. from boosting, right? You're, you're talking about, I think, Israeli data is what it sounds like to me, like the Israeli uh, real-world data for that figure. On the tenfold reduction the tenfold that reduction. comes out of Israel. Correct. On, on the rate of breakthrough hospitalizations being one in 26,000. That's right from the CDC's website. Right from the CDC. And those are probably yes. people with medical conditions, special situations, or very old people. But your point is well taken, which is that people should know that the people who we think should be boosted, older people, people who are old, or older people in this age group, that, that that's the kind of ballpark risks you're talking that's about. Right. That's right. Now you start to extrapolate that to a 25-year-old who's healthy. Can you give us a sense of the numerical risk reduction for such a person? It's, yeah. I mean, the initial risk is probably as low to zero as you Well, can that's do. right. If it's one in 26,000 overall, right. and we know people with a risk profile like Colin Powell mm-hmm. had – are those people, Sure. then what does that tell you about how skewed it is on the other end towards younger and healthy people? Yet UMass Amherst just announced they're going to require boosters in every for every student. So you got young, healthy people who arguably could have been okay with maybe one dose, I mean, depending on what you look at. But uh, if they've got natural immunity half the time if they check for it. And now we're going to take people with natural immunity who have two doses and say you must get a third dose in order to come here. 
there's a there's this term have to must that's used in such a loose way mm-hmm. what, what what is that quantified risk maybe you're okay with a 1 in 26,000 risk maybe you're okay with a 1 in 100,000 risk if that's what it is for skewed towards healthy people the idea that you have to or you must that's the language we hear and it's not honest and we've seen this paternalism you we cannot accept you cannot accept any risk of a mild infection we've seen that level of paternalism before in medicine matter of fact we see it all throughout medicine like we couldn't allow women to have home pregnancy tests because we have to tell them the results mm. by the way it was all men saying that mm. and you know marty uh, the other point that you made just briefly but you should push on a little bit more is that some of those people getting boosted, not only have they gotten two doses, they've also had COVID and recovered from COVID. So what's the risk reduction for somebody who's had two doses, recovered from natural infection? I think it's as close to zero as you can get. Yeah, yeah, and there's no provision to even look at that. And the other thing is, I think this all dovetails into this overall culture of safetyism that has emerged, especially on college campuses. It's like, on college campuses, it's unsafe to use words. Like the one thing that we have as humans that prevent actual violence and <laughs> and damage. Like yeah. instead of violence, we- averts di- di- violence. It yes. averts violence. Words, we, we have yeah. words to avert punching each other in the face. But there are words that are the equivalent of punching someone in the face. Well, of course they're gonna say, you need two vaccines plus a booster, plus you probably should go out and get naturally infected with Omicron, which may be less (laughs) severe, just to be sure. And then maybe we'll let you in if your little shaved ice punch card is all the holes are punched. You must, right? You see that study out of Germany that of all young people aged five through 17, not a single death from COVID in a healthy person. All 100% of the deaths were clustered in people with a comorbid condition. Now, I've heard the CDC data is that it is three quarters of the deaths in the under uh, 11 the, age group was uh, comorbid condition. Let me you, tell you yeah, something about the CDC. Yeah. Most of their studies would not qualify for a seventh grade science fair project. <laughs> okay? no, none of them have been published in any medical journal for a reason. Yeah. The conclusions cannot be made from the data. They, yes, the two okay. crack studies they put out on natural immunity. I mean, how does how – does, the medical establishment not pile on to those studies. Well, that's a good t- conversation because one of the studies is the one, If correct me if I'm wrong, it's like um, among people with natural immunity, some of them chose to be vaccinated, some didn't. That's right. And both groups had like ver- almost l- negligible rates of getting SARS-CoV-2, yeah. very, very Less low. Less than 0.01. Right, yeah. but the group that chose to get vaccinated had a slightly even lower rate than the group that didn't. Yeah. But again, they're choosing. They're very different people. And it was a two-month window. And it was a two-month in window. In one right. state of Kentucky, right. even though they have data on all 50 states for the oh, whole pandemic. right, right, right. And they won't release the reinfection I see. Data. So you're saying that the, of, of all the places they could have looked, they're only looking in one place, one narrow snapshot. Yeah, fishing. Yes. And um, I guess the point is, the reason it's a flawed study is that you don't know it was the bo- it was the vaccination that did it versus the characteristics of the type of people who sought vaccination. Sure, they're going to be more careful, yeah. Right. But yeah. to your point quickly yeah. before- yes. So you, uh, the question was, in the U.S., you made a comment that the CDC has suggested that roughly three-quarters of people have a comorbidity who are young and, and died of Correct. COVID. Yeah, so that comes from a hospitalization report in adolescents where they said 68% of those hospitalized for COVID um, had a comorbid condition listed on their diagnosis. They then later went back and said, but those hospitalized for COVID, we don't know if they, it was hospitalized for COVID or with COVID. <laughs> and then we don't code for obesity. I mean, how many times have you coded for obesity? Get someone obese comes in. Oh, we got to 
make sure this ICD code is on here. You'll get yelled at for shaming them. Yeah, and guess you what? Can't do it. Most common risk factor, most common, most Un, most common under discussed risk. Under discussed, most, most common, common leading. Risk. Yeah, that's right. The biggest risk factor is age, but the biggest yeah. under discussed risk factor is 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 BMI. That's exactly. You right. you had a you had a paper where you looked at the top risk factors, right? For death yeah. from COVID, what were they? It's well, first of all, that paper is in its eighth submission. It's been rejected from. <laughs> so this is the largest study ever done in the world on risk factors of COVID mortality done by a large consortium of Johns Hopkins researchers, including uh, three members of the National Academy of Medicine, top immunology folks, members from the National, our Center for Health Security. And so we have access to all the nation's Medicare data in real time. And we looked at risk factors for COVID death. All, the, all eight journals rejected it with no explanation. Right now, the journals are... Is it because you think that they are cautious about putting forth the narrative that obesity is a risk factor? I don't, I don't know what it is. I think that there's just a, an oligarchy that decides what's important, and we've seen this with every area of medicine. And if you're not in the club of what they you know, want to see... I, you know, I think hmm. you should play the race card, Marty. I think you should tell them I'm Egyptian and I've been excluded from publication. But it actually- this That would work, but I'm one of like 17 research co-authors on it. Damn it. But you know, that little bit of brown just colors the whole pot. But joking aside, like this is a, this is a prime question. Why would CDC get to publish all this stuff that has a, a particular bent, right? Whatever well, that is, right? Sometimes they publish in their own journal, MMWR. Well, that's right. where they published this yes, crackpot right. study on natural – not the Kentucky one. No, no. But the, but many of their studies that are a poor quality, Pima, Maricopa County, and kids masking, and you know, you're know, you talking about natural immunity studies. But many have been published in MMWR. So we've got 18 yeah. studies showing that natural immunity is at least as effective as vaccinated immunity. Two studies to the contrary. Both are CDC reports that are unpublished. One is the crackpot study from Kentucky. And the other is the study where they. I just, I just picture a guy with a banjo doing science. Like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> now that he's labeled it that way. Yes, terrible. exactly. Well, the the crackpot like, Kentucky study. They, they didn't even involve anyone from Kentucky. They imposed these results because they have all the national oh, data. Of course, oh, yes. Yeah, so they basically, looking, yeah. hmm, is there a sliver in the data where we could show that natural immunity is worse? Well, let's look at all 50 states. Ah, here's one oh, I see. This is the study you're talking where about. we're yes, seeing I noise. See. I see. And let's just look at reinfection rates over a two-month two window. Mm. The whole study is a two-month window. And, and your point would be that the reason that matters is natural immunity will be more durable, you believe, in month 8, 9, 10, 12 than vaccine immunity. And proof of that is what has happened in Israel, et cetera. That's right. That's the largest study done worldwide, right. and it shows it's twenty adjusted for age, 27 times more effective. It can't be 27 times more effective and half as effective as that. Can't be both. Both can't, can't be true. But let me ask you one question, Marty, about the boosters. Um, you know, the argument that you, that we've all been making is the argument that at an individual risk level, the individual risk to an older person, you've quantified it, and you know, people can choose that or not. To a younger person, it's got to be smaller, much per, smaller, much smaller. And to somebody who's already had natural immunity in addition to vaccination, it's probably verging on zero. Yep. Okay, that's the argument about individual risk. Now, what about for the person out there who says that at least some part of boosting is for a communal benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, the twenty-year-old kid in IT who's staying in his house all day, you know, he should go and get a booster because maybe it'll help my grandmother. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's a reasonable argument. I think it, I think there's value to getting increasing your immune protection to reduce community transmission. But remember, the peak level of viral shedding was equal in vaccinated and unvaccinated people in the recent Lancet study. It's just the window was more Squeezed. narrow mm-hmm. in somebody vaccinated. I, I would, you wanna say something? No, I was just gonna say, yeah. and, and then you have to weigh that communal benefit against yeah. a communal cost, which is days missed of work from having side effects from the booster, potential myocarditis, um, those kind of things we have to also factor in when you're holistically looking at, well, this is a policy decision now. Yeah, I'm with right. Z on this because I think yeah. um, that it is okay, I think, to have policy that is driven by community benefit as long as the individual recipient is not suffering a decrement in their health. And I do worry when you're talking about upper bound benefits yeah. in a 25 year old who mm. getting the third Moderna, that the upper bound hospitalization benefit is basically as close to zero as you can get. But the risk of myocarditis, it's not gonna be one in 5,000, I don't think. It might be less because that's what the data has emerged so far, but it's not gonna be zero and it might exceed the benefit of hospitalization. So you can't ask a young person mm. to literally yeah. take a harm to, for a societal benefit that is theoretical. I mean, you know, these people who talk about what the pandemic might be if we boost versus if we don't, they're the same people who made a bunch of models that last I checked, ain't very accurate. Mm, <laughs> they yeah, ain't very right. accurate. Yeah. So. These are the same geniuses that told people they can't visit their loved ones as they're dying in the ICU. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were not just geniuses, they were real humanitarians, those people. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> on top of that, there's this argument, well, you're gonna hurt grandma by not boosting, right? Which is a very specious argument because the grandmas you're gonna hurt elected not to get vaccinated, most of them. Oh, okay, right? that's an interesting thing. Yeah, so they've already made that's their right. decision on where they want risk to be, which is fine, that's fine. And, and you're gonna take that risk, that's fine. Your risk in that age group is not the you know one in 26,000, right? It's, it's considerably mm-hmm. higher, mm-hmm. but higher. still, right? And it's the same thing, you know, in the early days, I'd always say your risk of getting, if you're, if you're in your 20s, your risk of dying in a car accident is something like 10 times or two times higher than your risk of uh, dying of COVID. Whereas it inverts when you when you get older, so you know we just don't understand risk well. Somebody, and I'm going to get a, a pile of criticism for for saying. You, you this, think what you're going to say now is going to get the? <laughs> right, well, all the stuff you've been saying, I'm going to get you a pile. You're going to get a deluge now. The man has no self insight at all. <laughs> I've never been criticized for anything I, I've ever said, but now I will. Get now, my you will first be. Criticism. now you will. Be. Got it. Got it. And that is. In the New England Journal of Medicine paper on vaccine complications, somebody died. Yes. A 22-year-old died in that group of 134 people who got myocarditis. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was in Israel, a country 138th our size. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the one case that's documented, that's confirmed that we know of, and I'm not making my own conclusions about it. I'm just r- telling you what was in the New England Journal of Medicine. But why is that so important? Well, if we take that number yeah. and extrapolate it to the U.S. population, are we prepared to extrapolate that number of deaths from vaccination? And how does that compare with the deaths from COVID COVID. in healthy people? Correct. And I think, Marty, to your point, um, two things can be true at the same time. The people who want to, I think, um, have you not talk so much about myocarditis, they say things that is true, which is that it's mostly mild. But all adverse events 
exist on a, a continuum, spe- a spectrum. COVID's right? mostly mild. And yeah, I yeah. could say that, right. Oh, don't say that. You said so many dangerous things, <laughs> Marty. Keep going. But, 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 but that doesn't mean, but your point is well taken, that it's not just what happens to most people. It's what happens to the tail people. It's what That's happens right. to that, you know, there's a distribution of events and most myocarditis will be mild, thank goodness. Most will self-resolve. Some will have uh, long-term late gadolinium enhancement. We don't really know what LGE means on, on T2-weighted MRs. That's we, right. we, we don't really have the full implications. Will some lead to chronic arrhythmia? chronic cardiac disturbance will some lead to shortened life expectancy down the road and but what we do know for sure is that it does have the potential to have catastrophic short-term failure and death as in this case report from israel and that should give people some caution that it's not all mild it's mostly mild just like COVID is not all benign it's largely a lot of people recover good point right and i think i think you know to to put a little container around this Chernobyl okay. activity, which I love. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to invoke fear by saying, oh, potentially there's no, a yes. We're just saying, listen, you have to think about all these things when you're looking at a risk benefit for a population. And and I'll add another piece yeah. here that a lot of people don't talk about because I get the emails, right? So th- these people <laughs> I, are- I don't read them. Yeah, yeah you don't read them? <laughs> Life is great. Life is great Listen, when you don't read the emails. I got to say this. I've been increasing my meditation amount to like two, three, four hours a day. I get up at like four. Hour? Okay. Yeah, I meditate for two hours in a day. Yeah, I know minutes. <laughs> well, that's the best. I mean, the real actual quality meditation is one minute of thoughtless space. The rest is all just me watching my thoughts <laughs> and getting angry about something someone said on Twitter. But but since that's happened, I look at email less and I try to batch them and only do them on the weekend. So I'll sit for three hours and I'll go through 400 emails. And what I what I read is young people who've maybe had COVID, maybe they've gotten the first two doses. Now they're talking about boosters. And number one, they have deep needle fear. So there's something that conditioned in them when they were young, they got stuck five times at once, which is all fine. But now they have this terrifying piece of needle fear. They are worried about myocarditis because they have some family history. So their anxiety levels through the roof, mm-hmm. the media has already stoked their anxiety, yeah. fear, contagion. And they're asking me, what should I do? I'm scared to do it. I'm scared not to do it. And this has a cost. Yeah, I can't go to college unless I do it. Right. Yeah, that I think is problematic. And I mean, to 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 Zubin's point, I guess I want to also be clear that I'm a huge proponent of vaccination. Yeah, both of us are. You know, yeah. We both are. Yeah. The, the reason is you can be a proponent for something, but recognize that there are always populations or groups where you need to have a lighter touch. And in this case, for instance, other countries around the world, they're not using Moderna under 30. Right, such as Germany, That's Denmark. Right. Yeah, right. They're not using Moderna. Why? Because they say we have Pfizer, and Pfizer has less myocarditis than Moderna. So why would we take more myocarditis when you get? They most recommend of, against it. They recommend against it. Yeah. So, uh, some countries explicitly against it. Some countries don't even let you get it. Some countries let you get it if you choose to opt into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but different strategies. But this country, you all know, or nothing. It's all or nothing. nothing. And it's three, it's three or, or three or you're not, quote, fully vaccinated. You know, that's that's a problem. And, and you know what's really interesting yeah. is you can't talk about masking a, a two and three year old as a question. But the WHO says don't do it. Yeah. So the US, I feel like we've lost the ability to even have the discourse about it because of the same thing you talked about where like there's a narrative that has to be kind of pushed. And I don't know how this became a narrative. What happened here? (laughs) So I've talked to public health officials behind the scenes. You know, I'm in the Washington DC area and here's, here's something that they argue. And it's not a... It's not a completely flawed argument. It's just one I disagree with. And that is there's value to a very simple streamlined message. Sure. In other words, vaccinate everybody. Ignore natural immunity. Just vaccinate everybody. And maybe that simplicity of the messaging will result in more vaccinations among those who don't have natural immunity. Mm. 
I disagree with that because I believe we should be 100% honest with people yeah. and not be so paternalistic. And we've, again, seen this in so many areas of medicine up to this day. We're seeing with the booster conversation, you must, have to. How about quantifying that risk to them? And the other thing they say is that um, with the kids, you know, sure, yes, maybe for a child who's had COVID, they don't need to vaccinate. But there are those with comorbidities, and we really want to get them vaccinated. So do a universal vaccine policy. Mm -hmm. But you know what's simple? If you're tiling a room... It's simple to just use the, st- the tiles that come from the store. But when you get to the corners of the room, you got to start cutting the tiles or you're going to have some problems on the corners. Yeah. And so, you know, simplicity can be a problem. It can be such a problem that there's groups of people who are actually hurt by simplicity. And yeah. you lose credibility. You lose I'm, credibility. I mean, should we do mammograms for all men and women, including children? <laughs> just to keep children? it simple. Keep, yeah, it simple. keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. What are you saying, Marty? <laughs> Listen, this is not breast tissue. It's muscle. Are you suggesting that kids don't need a colonoscopy? Are you going to just let them die? <laughs> I would just do the the genetic test on their stool to rule okay. out the possibility right, of colon cancer, which doesn't exist. I'm either. glad you're anti-colon cancer in children because for there a second go. there, I thought That's you wanted it. to just let them die. You know what? You're dangerous. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I want to say, Marty, though, about this is this is America. So we have a certain cultural set of norms around not having the government tell us everything that we're supposed to do. So pros and cons of that for sure, but this is America. So Americans don't like when people aren't just direct, like, hey, here's here's the deal. Here's the nuance, right? Hey, hey, you know what? We're asking you not to wear masks because there aren't enough freaking masks for the people who really need them. Let's just say that instead of what Fauci did the flip-flop and so on. Surface transmission. Yeah, yeah. surface, right, fomites. All the geniuses that that kept loved ones out of the ICU. But good thing you scan your menu for the QR code because that's what keeps you safe at night, right? You know what? <laughs> and the hygiene theater of putting your mask on until you sit down and then taking it off. Only when you walk around a restaurant do you need to wear the mask. When, when it's you, best yeah. ventilation. Yeah, right, right. And, 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 sit down, that's when. When you sit down next to Sit down, food. talk for two hours, loud, yapping, singing songs in the bar. That's okay because you're sitting down. But, but can I offer one more suggestion about this? I mean, one narrative for why these policies are wrong in these places, and I do think that it's not just you and me and, and, and Zubin to some degree and, and Cody Meissner and Walid and some other people who think that there's some problems on the margin with these policies. Um, one explanation is that they're trying to keep things really simple. Mm. Okay. Another explanation is that there is a tension. What do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm posing this as a question to you. There's a tension between um, what is good politics and what is good medicine. Mm. And from a political calculation, if you are uh, somebody whose future is tied to to the current pandemic, if you're in the White House, you know you might view it as like uh, anything that gets the cases, and maybe this can lead to the case discussion we want to talk about, anything that can get cases down is something we ought to pursue. Um, and you don't think about it the way a doctor thinks about it, which is like for this 16-year-old boy in my office who I've documented he had COVID and he recovered from COVID, and he's an athlete who's poised to get a college scholarship, and he already got one dose of you know the vaccine. Should I give him the second dose? No. Okay, right. That's what a doctor would say. I think you're right. I think if you're really honest, most pediatricians would say that for such a boy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, but now you're the White House. Now, what's the risk benefit to you in the White House? Because if this kid goes out there and he ends up getting the sniffles and he gets a swab and it's positive, that's another case that you have to deal with that's holding the S&P 500 down, that's holding us all captive. He could potentially be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what do you think? I, I gotta say this though. You know what's holding the S and P 500 down? Omicron madness. Omicron. Like so, the yeah. same yeah. political apparatus that puts this thing into motion. Theoretically, we're not saying this is happening, but theoretically, then creates the Omicron panic. Like, oh my God, we gotta do. And the S and P goes. 
and that's, over something that's when we know you, nothing that's about. That's when you buy. And that's when you buy. You buy the dip. I'm an insider COVID trader, dude. That's when you buy. Okay. I'm an Omicron trader. So what do you think, though? This idea that there's a tension between the people who are leading the effort and truly impartial medicine. We would never have a White House press conference for the new variant of influenza that's seasonal that comes every fall. We would never say, it's now arrived. We have a case in San Francisco. <laughs> influenza Influ- A, <laughs> hemagglutin uh, uh, antigen 3.6. <laughs> you got a good memory. Yeah, you know, no formal training. Genius, no man. formal training. Um, and so if, look, the, the problem is we're hunting for now colonized endemic pathogens. So would we test everybody for meningococcus? If we do, 10% of the population will come back positive. Colonized. A tiny fraction of them will develop meningitis. Tiny fraction. I mean, there may be less than 50 cases a year. All total. I know is one thing. If Z is positive, then by the end of this interview, I'm <laughs> going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. That's right. I already got C. diff sitting next to this guy, man. <laughs> So, so sorry. So, like fifty cases, uh, roughly. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, we're gonna get to a point very soon where it's it's gonna be endemic, colonized, and if we keep hunting, I mean, look at what Georgetown University is doing right now. Everybody is required to be vaccinated. They're wearing masks. They're taking precautions. They don't have a lot of social activities indoors because they're on hold, or at least last time I checked. And if you test positive on Surveillance testing, you are basically put in a jail cell. You are put in solitary confinement for 10 days and told if you leave, there could be severe repercussions like losing all your tuition and being banned from campus. You have food dropped off at the door. Forced to rush a frat. That might even be (laughs) more pleasant. And you have food dropped off at your door once a day. And so, what are we doing? These are this is these are kids. These but you know, I'm healthy. Mean, I, I think this is like the height of madness. And I guess um, the people who believe in it, they say things like, um, "This is what's necessary to control spread." But the kind of evidence they're marshaling for that are like models that have often been made by the companies selling the test on campus, right? So there's this huge conflict of interest that I think people recognize. Which of the schools mm. are doing this? It's not Brooklyn Community College. It's Georgetown. It's Bryn Mawr it, College. Bryn Mawr College. Mar- it's schools Amherst. with money. And why do they do it? In part, perhaps to placate the, um, the, the anxieties of the wealthy parents that send their kids there. Mm. In part, they do it because they have the money. In part, they're being, I think, um, perhaps to some degree bamboozled by the testing companies that have developed models that support their own testing. Let's be honest. Lawyers are writing COVID policy in America. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, come it's on, not hello. physicians. They've been writing medical policy for years. That's All right. our cover your ass stuff that we do. It's <laughs> right. like, why would I get an abdominal CT on every single person who comes into the ER when it raises their cancer risk over years? Well, to cover my ass. I'm not saying I do that because I don't I don't work in the ER. <laughs> I'm a hospitalist. I'm better than that. I'm kidding, <laughs> ER guys. I'm kidding. But why are we waging World War Three against mild infections on campus but the moment on you're one campus. block off campus we don't know there's no war at all that's right right so yeah. that's another distinction like what's the benefit even the people who articulate there must be some benefit to the community they're, they're forgetting the fact you walk off campus you go to the grocery store no one's doing any of this stuff we have i mean we have now an accompanying pandemic of lunacy that yeah. has is now following the what's the r naught of the contagion of fear marty it, have you calculated it's 22 <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's way higher. Yeah, it's like way higher. one crazy news announcer <laughs> yeah. saying, or some lunatic on Twitter who's a fear mongerer who probably has, you know, panic disorder themselves. It can infect <laughs> 22 other people yeah. with fear easily. Yeah. Um, 
if um, we, he lost his train of thought because we kept blabbing. <laughs> We totally derailed it. I know. He had this he had this really great idea. Like it was like he's high not used IQ to t- he does a lot of TV interviews, but he's not like used to this. No, because it's <laughs> never like this Rick, is the Rick lion's Hume's den. never like, hey. So uh, anyways, did you rush a frat, Marty? Because which one was it? Was it Pi Alpha Data Omicron? Was did you rush the Omicron frat, bro? Because <laughs> Yeah, they never no, do that. But, but let's give you a chance. I went to a fraternity house once and that was to drop off a lab experiment project. <laughs> <laughs> But I told I, I told everybody that I was there. You know, uh, I, and then and the following weekend, people were like, "What are you up to this weekend?" And I'd say, "I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe going to the Fiji house again." <laughs> Been there before. Yeah, Delta, Delta, hey, Delta. You're you're a pre med. You're working on getting into medical school, yeah. Marty. Okay, let's talk about this one thing that you mentioned before that we got to talk about. Um, Omicron, the genetic sequence. Its closest relative, where did it come from? Ah, animals. I'm convinced it comes from an animal reservoir. Have you seen District 9? Yeah. Those aliens look like they have (laughs) COVID, don't they? South Africa, yeah, that's where they That's right, the prawns. Yes. It was the prawns. Yes. So what percent of deer have had COVID-19? 70%, I thought. Uh, I saw 30% in the the Penn State study. The deer were in Idaho, so I don't know if it's all mine. Are are Idaho deer representative of U.S. deer? Um, They're more conservative as far as deer go. (laughs) They're they're more likely to eat- red deer. They're more likely to eat corn-fed grass. (laughs) Grass-fed grass. 30% deer. But, but, um, and, and, and I guess the, the explanation around that is that uh, when you look at the genetic sequence, yeah. it appears the last known sequence that this is to uh, a human SARS-CoV-2 is a long time ago in the past. Uh-huh. And so I think there's three explanations. One is it jumped to animal reservoir, jumped yep. back. Yep. Second explanation, it, it was replicating in populations that are not being surveilled, so such as perhaps very rural people. Mm. But the problem with that is you would expect inevitably some of the other strains would leak back into places that are surveilled and you would catch the sort of other ancestral strains that are closer. And then the third possibility is was replicating in an immunocompromised host right. for a long period of time. So what that's the old alpha well, that's theory. That's the right? old, yeah. yeah. That's the old, yeah. those Africans gave it to us. Yeah, right? the immunocompromised, immunocompromised Africans. Right. People with HIV. Right. That's right. What, right. Well, that's what NPR is saying. saying. I know, okay. it's amazing but, but, so how you, it gets you, parroted. I mean, but you like the, the media, animal reservoir theory. By the way, the media has fallen in, they have... They now parrot whatever the government officials put out there. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And so when the government says natural immunity does not work, the government puts that out there. The media falls in love with it. They fell for it. And they just parrot the same thing out there. I mean, they haven't seen something they love this much since weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> oh. I, what do you mean? Pour some out for Colin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so look, here's why the animal <laughs> Here's yeah, why the animal reservoir point that you made is so important because there are um, millions of deer in the United States. I don't, I don't think this came from deer, but let's no, just no, no, no. But, animal. But some animal in, there, in Africa. That's right. There's yeah. many animal reservoirs. Yes. There's 10 to 15 million bear in North America. Is that the plural of bears? Uh, uh, bears. <laughs> but... English is a second language. Gonna, no, no, I derail his whole train of thought. I know. Again. I, I just can't. I, I'm. I just am curious. Bears, yeah, 10 bears. To Twenty million. Bear, or are they bear? I don't know. Yeah. And the bear statistic is unrelated to anything we're talking about. But I just thought I'd drop it. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no, no. Okay. So rodents are one of the vehicles. Yes, yes, in, yes, yes. Right. So how many rodents? Oh, come on, yes. I have a hamster. But you're building to your point, which is that this virus will never be eradicated. They're going to keep yeah, spitting so. out variants yes. forever, forever. Yeah. Are we going to have a White House briefing every time a new yeah. variant comes about? that gives mild illness. 
So Marty, let me ask you this. So I'm with you on your point that I do feel as if the media is uncritically parroting press releases that come from this administration. Uh, hypothesis, see what you think. You're you're the Washington insider on this. Um, the swampologist. <laughs> yeah, that's the swampologist. Right. I, I feel like um, they feel like that they th- there's two choices in this world. Either um, if they are very critical of this administration, the alternative will be an administration that comes back to power that they really don't want. Mm -hmm. And so they are really giving a pass on this administration. And to some degree, they're not doing the work of journalism, which is to hold power accountable. Thoughts? What we are seeing right now with journalism is identical to what we saw with justifying the war in Iraq. Whatever the government puts out, thank you very much. We're going to put this out there and just broadcast it as is. And I'll tell you, uh, the medical community is complicit in this. These two studies on natural immunity put out by the CDC were so flawed, no respected honest physician would ever say that you could make those conclusions from the data presented. The second study, the one we didn't talk about, not the Kentucky one, but the other one, surveyed people in a hospital and derived population risk levels of natural immunity being protective versus vaccine. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's just mm-hmm. flawed. So they're conditioning on being going to a hospital. That's right. Which is a collider in this issue. Uh, Okay, so I guess the point you're making here is that- By the way, we've ruined the lives of millions of Americans- Who have natural immunity. Who have natural immunity. I agree. Ruined them. I I agree. We're going to be fine no matter what happens with COVID, right? Yeah. People are dishonorably discharged from the military, nurses walking out. We Mm -hmm. can't get chemotherapy now for patients. Our our frontline heroes. Well, they were a hero. Now they're anti-vax deniers. Now they're anti-vax deniers. Now they're they're killing grandma. But I guess the point you're ranking here is that if you look at all of the studies, all of the studies would suggest that natural immunity is uh, at least as good but probably better than vaccine-induced immunity. And while we might want – while there are lots of people in this country we want to get vaccinated, we can put these people on the back burner. Mm -hmm. We can let them have have – and many other European nations, the pass that says if you actually recovered from COVID-19, you know, you get the pass too. That's right. We're not doing that. You know, we continually – we can only look to Europe for Medicare for all, but all the other things, we can't learn anything from them. You know, we can't learn about Moderna from them. We can't learn about natural immunity from them. So you're saying that what we're doing is we're punishing these people who have natural immunity. We don't need to punish them so hard. Mm -hmm. We can let them back into the fold. We can let them work in hospitals, staff the hospitals that are understaffed, and the net result will be better public policy. And the smart, smart, smart people know this. You know, like Paul Offit said, yeah, natural immunity is pretty good. It's just a bureaucratic nightmare trying to figure out who's immune and not. Well, okay, do, then do we as a policy invest in that bureaucratic nightmare to try to figure it out because of the cost of trying to immunize naturally immune people, like which we're bringing up? I think it's valid. You know, by the way, that the, speaking of the natural immunity piece, that's one of the explanations for why this legendary Israeli um, – booster trial thing where they said, oh, look, you know, the vaccines are waning in efficacy over time. Well, part of the reason is their control group, the unvaccinated, are increasingly naturally infected. So they have a very high level of immunity. So now you're comparing that high level of natural immunity to vaccine immunity and the vaccine is not looking as good. And actually the same person who would espouse this explanation for why vaccine efficacy has declined, which is that the control arm is got some subset of natural immunity in it. That's the same person who will or deny the natural, natural immunity, immunity when they make you get the booster. You know? <laughs> oh, it's such, yeah, it's right. such cherry right. picking. Really, I mean, well, when yeah. go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, there's just so much cherry picking, right? Because when the study came out of Israel through the Israeli health ministry that that boosters reduced <clears throat> the risk of hospitalization by tenfold in people over 65. Dr. Fauci immediately described it as quote unquote dramatic data, and they wrote up lots of policies around boosters before the FDA even saw it, mm. and then. 
the same Israeli health ministry announced in the largest population study ever done that natural immunity was 27 times more protective than vaccinated. Correct. Mum. Yes. Not a word. Yeah, you can't, what, 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 how do you call one set of data, dramatic data, and the other you dismiss? We're seeing the same with fluvoxamine, totally dismissed. Which we were going to talk about. We're going to talk about fluvoxamine and molnupiravir. Maybe now's the time? Yeah. I guess now's the time. I okay. guess the only thing I want to say on this point mm -hmm. is that, I mean, I think you're onto something in the sense that um, there's so many of these issues where the evidence base is a mix of like really good quality randomized studies uh, and other issues where the evidence base is largely like confounded observational studies. And anyone, and the only way to approach such a space is you got to go in with some rule, some rule book where you say like what you think good evidence is, you know, and then apply that rule book to all the issues, no matter which side they fall. But what you point out is that I think they're selectively applying their rule book. So, you know, when they, it says something that goes the direction they like, they amplify it. When it says something that goes in the direction they don't like, they push it down. We have a word for that, right? Isn't it? It's con for something. Con, con bi bi has bias in it somewhere. Confirmation bias? Confirmation bias. Is that what it is? Like selective outrage is how people are dishonest right now with information where they should be objective. You see it in the media. You see it with political partisanship. You know, can you believe they did this? You know, well, they're selectively <laughs> outraged at the people they just otherwise are prejudiced against for whatever reason. I'm gonna say something that is a little controversial, but our, our now? own first time. <laughs> yeah, now? First time. Yeah, never gonna get canceled. First ever controversial First ever comment. controversial statement. Doctors themselves are so politically divided that they themselves will cherry pick trials and data to yeah, support what they so. think based on what their politics are. So. so there's the sort of vaccine hesitant contingent of doctors that are like, these aren't the magic things. Masks don't work at all. Lockdowns are killing us. This sort of antithesis position. And they actually practice a little bit that way. They kind of tell their patients this. And then the, the thesis side that just basically watches the news for how they're getting their, yeah. their medical data yeah. is saying, is saying you know, lockdowns, yes. Omicron, dangerous. Masks, absolutely for newborn and vaccinate <laughs> until your punch card is full. In utero, actually. In utero. Totally and now, so, and we're supposed to be the arbiters to some degree of the scientific literature. So what, we can't get out of our own human bias and, and yeah. frailty around that. So we got to look at that. To me, it's just amazing that you as a, say, respiratory therapist or nurse risked your life. You jumped on the grenade when COVID hit. We didn't know what the case fatality distribution was. You took a huge risk. Yeah. You got the infection. Now you have circulating antibodies that neutralize COVID-19, but they are not antibodies that the government recognizes. To me, that is a massive, massive dishonesty in the medical community. No one's really talking about this in our, at the high level, but when you talk to doctors on the ground and nurses, like half of them are like, thank you for talking about this. Why is nobody else talking? This is what I'm telling my patients. If you had not, if you have natural immunity, you don't need a booster. You may not even need a second dose. I get emails from 30 and 40 year old, 40 year veteran nurses who are like, I got COVID early on. I nearly died. Like, and, and they're telling me I'm, I haven't, you know, I'm going to be fired if I don't get two doses. Like I'm willing even to get one. Soon to be a booster. Soon to be a booster, three doses. Cause you know, once the CDC says should get, by the way, you know what else the CDC yeah. says? You never eat beef medium rare. The only way to eat beef, they say don't eat it. So are we gonna listen to everything that they say in the sense that, you know, these are like, of course they're gonna say that because the one person who gets E. coli, you know, it's gonna be, well, the CDC said. Do you think the shoe will drop? Like these people, what, I mean, there are some hospitals that are, I read that are being closed or that are really facing healthcare system crunch. Will the shoe drop? I mean, is there a possibility there'll be a big wave and hospitals will have shot themselves in the foot. 
I talk to a lot of hospital CEOs, mm. and they tell me that they're really struggling with staffing issues, and they ask me what to do, and I tell them, use a more flexible immunity requirement. Allow for natural immunity. Allow for more exemptions. People have exemptions that are sometimes being rejected, and they're legitimate medical exemptions. I'm not talking about religious, but medical. Mm. And finally, you don't have to have the immunity requirement in people who are not patient-facing mm. and don't interact with people who are patient-facing. Yeah. We're losing a lot of, of our staff. Support staff. Are you, are you legally allowed to do this with the Biden mandates? Well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right now there's a stay uh, put on by this mm-hmm. federal judge the saying that court. it's not – yeah, and that's for healthcare workers. So, okay. yeah, many of us think that's not going to hold up in court. Yeah, and the other thing you could tell these CEOs, because I talk to them too, is, <laughs> hey, how about this? Go have lunch with your staff. Don't don't send them pizza. Go sit and eat the pizza and say, yeah, what can I yeah, do yeah. for you, right? Um Give give them the tools, resources, and autonomy to do their jobs and acknowledge that they've been through hell, yeah. right? Because I think a lot of people who are quitting in this great resignation are saying, I've never felt so devalued. You know, we've been through this hell and now they're telling us this and this and this and this and this. And it's not about money. It's not, you know, because you can go be a travel nurse, make three X what you're making, but then you got to work next to a nurse who's been there forever and gets paid one third what you're getting because everyone else quit. Like this is demoralizing. Am I the only one not talking to CEOs here? I don't get any CEO phone calls. You know, I was gonna make some correlation about having hair and not having hair and talking to CEOs, but this guy has hair. Both of you have such wonderful hair. How'd you do it? Um. I, wow, that was a transition. I wasn't yeah, expecting. It. Yeah. Supplements. Yeah. Um, just no. <laughs> Doctor Oz supplements. Doctor Oz supplements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are you voting for Oz oh, yeah, in the Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. We should ask you. You know, it's Senate. funny. I, it's, we have, I, we are friends. We've never really talked politics. And I know that you're on the progressive side, Vinay. I, th- I don't. I think I don't know where you are. Z, maybe, I'm kind of like Green a, Party, a little of everything. Yeah, I'm the Brown Party. <laughs> brown. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so Oz is interesting, right? Because he is running on health care, and he is running in a state that's um, where he just moved a year ago. From New Jersey. Yeah. And there's a really good candidate um, who is... <coughs> Sorry. That's in Florence. <laughs> Who's the good candidate? Um, he was a, a assistant secretary of the treasury. Mm. And he was raised in a town very close to where I grew up. He's raised in Bloomsburg, right in the central PA coal mine region. His dad was head of Bloomsburg University, which is an amazing university. Something like 70-plus percent of their students are first-generation college students. Wow. So it's in rural Pennsylvania, um, an amazing family. And he's been uh, rumored to put his name in. Mm. But he'd be up against the star power yeah. of mm. – uh, and the money. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we were talking on our show, VPZD. VPZD pod- show, VPCD no formal pitch yeah, for the no number pitch, two yeah. science podcast in the nation. <laughs> number two. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Uh, we were talking about it. And uh, I mean, Oz has got the name recognition. He's in the Republican primary. This, I suspect the, the general election will go to the Republican. Whoever wins the Republican primary is going to win Pennsylvania because of the way yeah. the public sentiment the is Republicans going. Republicans are going to clean house. Well, up yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that might change that dynamic is what the Supreme Court does with Roe because that will animate that's the Democratic right. Party. Right. Right. That will animate right. the Democratic Party. And, and yeah. by the way, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just describing no, 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 it. This is just well, we're, we're not political pundits. No, no, we mean, just I, play them on the show. I have no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I have no actual political interest other than as a commenter. 
Yeah. I was in um, Portland, Oregon, um, recently, and at the Antifa protest. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> like <laughs> false flag, man. That's... The mask does not uh, anonymize me. <laughs> say, people, they knew people can still here. figure out who <laughs> I am, especially since you wear basically a lace panty as a mask. That's your way of being oppositional against masks. <laughs> my, my, my Irish profile is basically on the internet. Clear put it on there. In, col- in collaboration <laughs> with the NSA. Um, so, and by the way, any cyber criminals that have hacked in here, people from the NSA, welcome and good to have you. <laughs> yes, nice to have you guys. Um, Bob, so you're, you're in Portland, Oregon. So a hundred and – yeah, great place, right? A hundred and thirty restaurants and pubs in downtown Portland have closed – in the Portland areas are – have closed – Permanently, mm. they will never come back. Mm. People are upset. I'm in there in a hotel. It's at 10 percent occupancy. It's a mm. big hotel in downtown Portland. 10 percent. People are angry right now. Mm-hmm. They're like, "What are we doing?" We now recognize the risk of COVID was heavily skewed towards those with comorbidity and advanced age, and yet the entire society is shut down because of this war on mild infection in low mm. risk people. And people are angry. And I've asked them, like, how are you going to vote in the upcoming election? And they're like, you know, Republican or Democrat, we're just voting out whoever is in power right nice. now. Right. Well, you know, that, 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 and, that, and that's Portland. Like, that's yeah. Portland we're talking about. This, yeah. is, this is a liberal bastion. And I, I think, you know, people forget that health and wealth are deeply intertwined. And when you take away someone's life work, their small business, their restaurant that they've built, you are shortening their lifespan probably. If you were actually to study this longitudinally, assume they didn't recover well, right? Which a lot of them will recover, let's be honest. These are go-getters, these are tough people. But you've given them a major blow. Uh, And this is a young productive person. This is not a 90-year-old who was gonna die of something in the next year and it happened to be COVID. And I'm not dissing 90-year-olds, I'm not saying kill 90-year-olds. This is a classic like when Dr. Oz says, well, you know, if opening schools kills two to 3% more people, it's probably worth it. <laughs> yeah, worth it. You, you could have phrased that better, bro. You and him are friends, aren't you? Oh, we're tight. <laughs> Me and Dr. Oz, we go way back to my rap song, Sucker MDs. We MDs. drink the same tea. Oh, yeah, we no. drink the same Cambodia extract. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, my... but your point is well taken. I mean, I guess I'd say that uh, um, in the heat of the moment, the initial shutdowns, the shelter in place, you know, I understand people can have a range of views on that. That's that's okay. But when you get a year, two years into something, mm-hmm. you know, you really have to use these tools only if you really know they're working. Yeah. And I just don't think that under the way they're done, as porous as they're done, the fact that a lot of what you do is you just displace people from the restaurant to meeting up in someone's house. Um, you know, is that really doing anything for the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic? What it is doing is certainly have an economic and business mm-hmm. impact. Is it even doing anything for the pandemic? We really don't know. The number one driver of health status has always been, in every study ever done in health policy, has always been socioeconomic status. Yeah, right. And when you move people into poverty, mm-hmm. then you drive down their health status. And, and this is the thing. We've, on net, there's probably been wealth generation throughout this. But where's it gone? To people like... You two, not me. <laughs> Do people like you two talking with CEOs? No. Listen, uh, we don't just talk. We take their money, okay? okay? No, and then we fan ourselves just with kid, it. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> no, 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 but that's his point. His point is right. Oh, we are the zoomocracy. Been, yeah. So yeah, we can make a living. We can make money. We can do all that. But what about the person who cleans the house who when they had a lockdown, they couldn't come and even clean your house? Or my gardener who I paid to not come because there was a rule in the Bay Area that they couldn't blow your freaking lawn. 
You still use a leaf blower? I hate that thing. Well, you know, I don't use it. I use it by proxy by hiring people Come to use on. it. Come on, it's he, so noisy. He doesn't He doesn't use it to remove leaves. He uses it to put them on, on other the properties. On the <laughs> neighbor's <laughs> property. It's, I told my gardener, I'm like, listen, um, I need you to actually not rake them up after you blow them. I need you to put them on Phyllis's lawn just because we have a thing going. It's but like, I was wondering about that. You know, um, the wealth creation to point uh, <laughs> is that like, uh, you know, we do have, it looks like across all sectors, this great resignation and you've yeah. talked about it. Um, and, you know, people are trying to figure out what it is, what are the factors. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot more research in that space. Um, but some of the factors are that some of these mandates may displace people in ways that we're not really capturing uh, through surveys. Because surveys do suggest that the displacement has been low, but maybe their displacement's in other ways. Another thing is people are just realizing what you want out of life and what you want out of life is not going into office five days a week. That's what you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, though. Great that, awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Wealth generation, though. I mean, let's say you know, you're somebody who had some modest amount of money invested in the stock market. The stock market has done very well, you know, over the last year and a half. And you could be slowly selling off some of those assets um, and having a lot of cash and you may not need to work. Um, and and then the fourth thing is, you know, we're starting to see the beginning of the um, baby boomers who have had tremendous amount of accumulated wealth are starting to unfortunately pass away and leave some of that to the next generation. And that's a huge one of the, it's going to be the greatest wealth transfer in human history. And that may also change some of this generation might be saying you get that wealth transfer in. Maybe it's time for me to retire. Another reason the young people should be against any COVID restrictions. Oh, goes off the boomers. <laughs> they get their retirement. Get that, reti- <laughs> get that inheritance faster. No, no, I think, I think this is spot on. A lot of people are saying, you know, this is not what I want to do. They want to switch from being a consumer economy to being a creator economy where they're actually doing something they love and even if it's not making them a ton of money, you know? So I think that's happening. Rich people have done very well the entire pandemic. Yeah, uh, unless and you... before the pandemic. <laughs> and before and for all of time. Yeah, uh... probably. <laughs> for most of human history, it's post-World War II to 1980 in the United States. They, rich people have done well. Yeah. I mean, I go to some of these areas. I have a cousin in Florida and you go near the Palm Beach <clears throat> community. There's, you can't, there's no nails at Home Depot. Everybody is renovating yeah, their home right. and they're not making them smaller. Yeah, oh. And so that has been the project, <laughs> yeah. right? And you go to inner city Shave Baltimore. <laughs> right, right. Um, you go to inner city Baltimore and you look at these kids where the dropout rate was about 50% pre-COVID. Mm. Now the schools are closed and they give the kid an iPad and tell them, mm. you know, here, go try to learn like this for a, over a year for 15 months. So it's the untold story of the pandemic is how it's disproportionately affected disadvantaged communities. Yeah. 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 And and Marty, that's the point that like, that's where I think Twitter has been really probably the most pernicious thing, Twitter and the New York Times uh, in getting the schools closed, you know, because they've been banging on that drum. I've even seen with the Omicron before we knew anything, people back out there again. Close the schools again. Close the schools. And, you know, one of the things that somebody said that actually struck with me was like, it's like a faculty member, much like ourselves and, you know, that um, mid-career faculty member saying that, you know, as as hard as it's been on my kids, they're doing okay. And I was like, "You're uh, you're you make six figures of yeah, money, and yeah, you live in a yeah. comfortable suburb. You're come a professor. To yeah, come to Baltimore. Go go to Chicago. Go to the South Side. Go to places that are been devastated. And mm-hmm. and now the school the schools have learned that they can close. You see, now in Portland, they're asking for uh, f- uh, every other week will be a four day week for high schoolers for whatever teacher teacher get well day or something." This is untenable. Yeah, my kids have hardly been in school even though it's been open. The teachers have like every half day, every, everything's a half day. I have to look at the schedule and I have to get my kids at like one again. And, and they're like, well, I'm like, what are you learning? I don't know, nothing. And, and this guy's got to work nine to five every damn every day. day. Every yeah. damn That's day right. he's working nine to five. You know, it reminds me, this whole thing reminds me of, of Peter Thiel 
actually spent money defending Hulk Hogan against some like, uh, yes, like, uh, like the, Gawker, the Gawker, yeah, Gawker. Yeah. And this is what he said about Hulk Hogan. He goes, now here's a guy down on his luck. He's a single digit millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> So you he know, he can't even afford to tear the shirts like he used oh to. Oh my gosh, Only three yeah. a day. Like yeah, he has multi- to, can't hire people to tear them. For these multi billionaires, I I think that's excessive. I am just trying to get to one B. One, one B. B. <laughs> you know, I just want the doors that do this on my car. You <laughs> I just, know, I don't want to deal with these doors that these open doors that sideways. open like this. I need the yeah. doors that do this. <laughs> ROI, ret- radio on the internet, radio on the internet. <laughs> ROI. Um, can I just say one last thing yes, about o- Omicron? Yes. Is it Omicron or Omicron? I, I, I had to look up the pronunciation when I did my video. It was, I think it's Omicron. Omicron. My friend yeah. of mine looked it up for me and said, Omicron. you can say it either way. And I said, come on, ask a Greek person. Yes. yes. There, so There's um, some viral There are no Greek people extant. They're an <laughs> extinct race. <laughs> Can't well, find one. Here's the thing. Why do we have the entire world economy on hold until we find out whether mm. or not the Omicron variant is encompassed by vaccinated or natural immunity. Mm. Do the experiment now. We have four BSL-4 labs in the United States. We've got 59 in the world, many of which we have partnerships with as as a country. Get the variant, do the laboratory experiment as has been done with the other variants, but do it quickly and see whether or not, what percentage of the antibodies neutralize. You mean binding, binding that's, efficacy. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. right, that's Neutralizing right. Neutralizing binding efficacy. That's yeah. right. I have went to our um, immunologists that are geniuses in the lab stuff, and I talk to them a lot. And I've got a net, you know, we think we all have our networks of people in the virology and immunology world we talk to nationwide. So I talked to them and I said, how fast can you do that experiment? Um, we could do it relatively quickly. Well, how quickly? I mean, we could do it, you know, in a couple days. Could you do it in one day? Yeah, yeah, we could do it in a day. Could you do it in 12 hours? I love how you're haggling mm. with these guys. <laughs> yeah, probably 12 hours. We'd have to, you know, get this reagent, get that reagent. Could you do it in six hours? And basically, in the course of one business day, this could be done. Instead of all of these press conferences, and we don't know, and the unknown. and Three weeks you, to find out. Why do we have four BSL labs? God knows how much they cost us as a country for bioterrorism prevent. That's why they're there, okay? Mm. They're not there just to play around. And so if ever we needed the resources of, of our country to mobilize quickly, it's right now. And yet we're you know, here all speculating, relying on these computer models to say, yeah, probably binds. Now, look, all the indicators are that we're not seeing severe illness with Omicron. Mm-hmm that the molecular models show good binding when you take the shape of the of the new variant Omicron. By the way, 95% of that spike protein is identical to the previous variant. Right. And that's what people are missing. So why all the speculation? Use these BSL-4 labs, go to work and, and stop talking. Start doing and stop talking. But I guess the speculation is, um, you know, you talk about the huge global economic market that's on hold while all this speculation is happening. And an elective surgery in New York. Yeah, and all, and mm-hmm. all these things yeah. and, and, and widespread panic. But there is a market that's thriving. It's the media market. Oh, they're crushing it. They're crushing it. But in but Omicron fear. itself is like basically like a container ship wedged in the Suez Canal. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, we can't move it. 
But we, it'll take us weeks. The fear market it is, is yeah, doing well. And fear market is crushing. And, and fear Trump, market's crushing. You know, with Trump gone, Trump for their ratings was like oh god, a thousand omicrons. Right? He was like an omicron a day. Oh my god, that's like a in great, terms of ratings, right? That's a great like media uh, hype uh, measure now of how many omicrons. How many omicrons that's of news coverage? Sounds legit. Yes. I mean, what's like CNN that's a 12 is like looking, They're like going on the street asking people to watch the TV. You know? Totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> they're going to airports, turning it on, turning it on everywhere. Just they, like, they, they've right got Christian Amanpour, you know. Being the scud stud again, you know, but talking about Omicron. But I guess we underestimate, but I mean, a media ecosystem that's so heavily geared towards the tension economy was going to blow yeah. anything out. It was only a matter of time it's before of time. they blew something out How of proportion. How quick did that go viral? A day. A day, and it went from zero Omicrons to infinite Omicrons. Oh, it was like the freaking Afghan airport video. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, okay, now, we said we talk about therapeutics. Yes, uh, so, and this yeah. is your, your wheelhouse. Yes. So- <clears throat> why won't anyone talk about fluvoxamine? So here's a, here's a situation that happens on rounds, okay? Somebody says, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to change this dressing twice a day. And someone says, there's no evidence to support that that's any more efficacious than once a day. And then they'll go back and forth. And then somebody will say, here's a study. I need to see a larger study. Well, here's a larger study. It's not a randomized controlled trial. Here's a randomized controlled <laughs> trial. I need to see two randomized controlled trials. Fluvoxamine uh-huh. has two randomized controlled trials published in JAMA and The Lancet. Some would say those are good journals. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. By the way, the pace of scientific discovery is only three articles per week. Okay. Uh-huh. So you can't have more than that because of word limitations, even That's though right. they're published online. Well, because of impact factor <laughs> growth limitations. There's, that's why you got to limit that. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Okay. So here you have two RCTs yeah, yeah. showing fluvoxamine reduces mortality significantly in both. In the second one, up to 91% in people who are fully compliant. Here's a drug that's already on the shelf. No one's going to become a billionaire in the pharma industry because there's no patent on it. And you have solid RCT de- data. Why is nobody talking about it? So this this is an interesting piece. So Angela Rearson, who's one of the psychiatrists who's the lead author on the piece, and I have been in cahoots by email for some time waiting for this data to come out. And she's been mm-hmm. telling me, you know, this is this could be something promising and I'll let you know when it is. And she did, and it is. And the reason this thing may work, we don't know, is that fluvoxamine, Luvox, the brand name, SSRI, it has these anti-inflammatory That's effects right. that have been described before. And she, they were screening drugs and they said, oh, this thing seems to have some effect. And they followed up and a lot of the other drugs fell off that list of potentials, but fluvoxamine continued. Then they do this randomized control trial, I think it was in Brazil, where the rates of transmission were still high and they could do this, and they show these really great outcomes. And I haven't dived into that data set, but why is nobody talking about it? And I think she's asking the same question, because this is, again, off-patent, you know, cheap, relatively safe drug that has the side effect of making you feel good. Why, Why are we not talking more about this? It's amazing, and again, I, I did do a deep dive into this data, incredible mm-hmm. data, as good as it gets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, without observing each person enrolled in the study with your own eyes. You'd have to learn Portuguese. You'd have to learn Portuguese, yeah. and I'm maxed out on foreign languages <laughs> right now, especially with Dude, Latin. Oh, pig Latin, Latin, and... Uh, pig Latin. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did somebody trick you guys into... And just saying that Latin would help you with medical school. Um, They tried to pull that shit on me, but I didn't do it. I I, fell for it. (laughs) I guess I was uh, so far beyond. I was in the generation where we didn't fall for it anymore. The the last people who could teach you were gone, by the way. Totally. We got E Pluribus Sucker over here. I do. Had to learn as a Greek Latin farmer. That's that's helping me a lot right now. But meanwhile, while fluvoxamine has been under-discussed, 
molnupiravir. Has been over-discussed. And boosters in young people, zero data. That's all we hear about. So, so let's talk about molnupiravir yeah. because the FDA uh, advisory committee just met on this and said, hey, you know what? They said in the initial press release data, which is how we do science, um, medicine by press release. Medicine by press release. Uh, how many Omicrons worth of press was that, by the way? Probably like three Omicrons in yeah. one Afghan airport video. Yeah. <laughs> Afghan airport video, AAV. So three Omicrons and one AAV worth of, of press coverage. The, and what, what they said was all oh, 50% reduction in hospitalization in the group that they studied. Okay, but then well, they cut it to 30%, they right? They cut it to 30%, 30% with yeah. really little explanation of what the difference was when they asked the Merck people. They were like, meh. I don't know, we ran it up, I don't know. And so FDA advisory committee was, well, let's weigh this here now. Yeah. It's probably less efficacious. It may be even less efficacious if you've already been vaccinated because the net benefit is gonna be small. And what's the downside of this thing? Well, we don't know the effects on pregnant women because Correct. it is an RNA uh, you know, Competing, polymerase yeah. inhibitor. It, com it competes for the, yeah. For yeah, the that's right, for the, yes. for the nucleotides. So it reduces mutagenesis. It's not supposed to do that to humans, but you never know. You're not gonna give it to a pregnant woman and roll the dice with that. Right. No. And so you there's- You only do that with boosters, really. You could- <laughs> 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 Sorry, sorry. No way. Oh man, that's where, the, that's where I need, I need but, like a prop where I push a button and the big canceled thing but, comes but what I love about what Vinay is saying is it's how medicine deals with uncertainty. Yeah, and we deal yeah. with it with this incredible cocky arrogance of just do it. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. We, we knew nothing about, right, we knew nothing about this uh, vaccine in pregnant women when we were out there saying you still need to get it. I wrote that article in uh, in MedPage, which you're the editor-in-chief, uh, about, about exactly that, that like we – Ultimately, I think we were vindicated. That uh, yes. people were vindicated that it, it's right. safe in pregnancy. Right. Yes. At least and we, we want to double down. Double, on that. Yeah. Yes, hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. percent. At least the yeah. first two doses. But certainly, the rhetoric that it was safe in pregnancy preceded the evidence that That's it was right. safe in pregnancy. That's right. And then the boosters is a different question. And you were on Barry Weiss, and you had a really good example of a woman who I thought um, she is pregnant, and and she was in her early thirties or something, and she has been gotten two doses. Yeah. And, she, and um, was it you who? Oh, no, it was Barry who said Barry's that, friend. Barry's friend. And Barry's friend uh, asked a doctor at like the Brigham or someplace like that. Um, um, and the doctor said, do you want me to tell you the right answer, the answer I'm supposed to tell you or what I actually think? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. what a lot of people <laughs> I got a lot of women uh, in their 30s, 20s emailing me saying, I've had two shots. They were back in February. I'm pregnant now. I'm in the first trimester. They're telling me I need a booster. I'm not comfortable getting this during pregnancy if I don't absolutely need it. And I'm like, I don't know where the evidence is that you absolutely need that. And yeah, the evidence with, if you don't have a booster is that one in 26,000 will be hospitalized and the average age of that one person is 73. 73. Right. right, right. Now right, we don't right. know about where pregnancy fits in that because right. pregnancy is a risk factor, but still. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's true, it could be a pregnant 73 year old. No, But a 73 year old might make, make moving from, from a 30 year old risk to a 45 year old risk or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right, right, right. But, right. but, but to the point of molnupiravir, it induces mutations in the virus itself. That's the other, okay. that's the yeah. other downside. So let's it's talk about that. The idea is it mutates this virus to death. So mm -hmm. the virus can't replicate right without incorporating this bogus, you know, RNA bits and bytes. The next thing you know, it's like blah, blah, blah. it's a it's a Cronenberg mutant, right? <laughs> well, some of those may escape yeah. that don't get terminally mutated. You're gonna run out of Greek letters with this bad boy and board, right? You're gonna, you're gonna be yeah. on Zeta Pi Alpha Epsilon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're yeah. gonna go through all of them. Yeah. You're gonna have to go like with the, what they do with the hurricanes, right? It's gonna be like Alpha One. Like they don't think they like, Hugo. No, I thought they go. Oh, once they get to like Zemetrius, they they have to start at like Alpha. They start calling the Greek Alpha. The New York City rats have have a patent on Zeta because I guess they're planning <laughs> to produce that one. Oh, perfect. Those uh, rats you, are gonna you, crush you, the game. You, you really do think it's the jump to the end will jump back. How do you get 32 mutations all of a sudden? I in guess what one about, person? And why don't you think the immunosuppressed uh, 
Because I hear Trevor Bedford, he thinks he believes it's in an immunosuppressed house. Yeah, first of all, I think it's a reasonable hypothesis. Okay. And since I'm not in the genetics yeah, world, I've been talking and I've yeah, been yeah, probing yeah. a lot of these people in the field. And a, a bunch of folks just say, how do you get 32 mutations in one person? It's just too much randomness yeah, in one host, as opposed to what we now are recognizing to be species where millions of different animals within that species have had the virus jump around. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point is well taken that simply because it exists in so many animal species, zero COVID is a delusion. Yeah, oh, delusional. And, yeah. and always sequencing everybody every day for the rest of their life is a delusion. You'll just keep finding it places yeah, and it'll yeah. just cause damage. Yeah. You really need to keep your eye on the prize, which is minimize uh, hospitalizations, hospitalizations and deaths and, death. and maximize living life, the thing that we all do outside. Okay. Yeah. That whole narrative yeah. has a zero Omicron value for the press. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And a minus AAV. <laughs> uh, yeah, minus Afghan airport yeah, video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what if, on fluvoxamine, before we leave that, yes. yeah. I wish our public health officials would talk about it. There's no evidence to the contrary. It's safe. There's none of these concerns. Mm -hmm. It's solid evidence. And the data, the data blows this ivermectin data set oh, out of the water. Well, that, yet, ivermectin fell yeah, that, apart. Yeah, yeah, that's just right. I mean, but yeah, that, it's sort of the the ivermectin hydroxy backlash has resulted right, in right. scientists losing their objectivity. Right. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, that's a that's great an interesting theory. theory. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true with fluvoxamine because one of the, f I won't, I'm not even gonna mention this because that'll poison the whole talk, forget it. Because there is that component. And I think uh, I think people are so gun shy now, right? You know, like you, Dr. Oz was promoting hydroxychloroquine in the early days, so. I take it you're not gonna endorse him for his ra oh, race I'm for Senate. Could you imagine? I'm ZDog MD, and I endorse this message. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Oz, and by colleague, I mean professional clown. <laughs> Doug McCormick is the other guy that many people are hopeful is going to throw oh, his, his name, name. I'll I'll say, yeah. Good. yeah. Um, I wish Dr. We're going to have to make a note of that. Yeah. Because well, I think Dr. Oz is going to win. Yeah, name recognition is high, 94%. Should we fly and change our uh, residency to Pennsylvania? He, is for, he said he's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania. How, why not, yeah. why not Do Dr. Marty? No, no, I have no zero interest in government. Dude. No. You live in DC, you have zero yeah. interest in government? That's right. He has zero interest in participating in government? It's, were you born in the US or were you born in Egypt? I was born in the UK. That just keeps him out of the presidency. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you could be a That means you will have a limit to your senator. ambition, yeah. which means you won't be as insane as- Yeah, you might be a great governor. I was yeah. born in the UK, which is why I can slip into a British accent. And I was, really? I'm from Why Egypt. Why have we not been doing that this whole time? Speaking Cockney? I can slip into a British accent. <laughs> Hello, governor. <laughs> Let's talk about Monupivir. And then people think you're, you know, That's why that smarter. YouTube, one YouTube video guy is really popular because he has that nice accent. John Campbell, exactly. Guy. He's like, yeah. okay, let's talk about Evermectin. Evermectin. <laughs> And then he puts up like a, 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 it's a thing. He's a genius yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, but I, my family's from Egypt, which is why my skin is dark. But I was raised in the United States, which is why I have type 2 diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't have type 2 diabetes. But I, You're I'm type 2 brink. diabetes adjacent. I'm that's, adjacent yes. to a lot of things. You're, yes, that's true. Um, you got an impaired A1C? Um, right now I'm okay. It does run in my family though. It's Mine too. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. My A1C approaches the asymptote of pre-diabetic. Really? If I, if you? I don't, if I don't take care of myself, like the minute I go off the rails and start munching on them snacks, like if I have more than zero meals a day, I'm fully diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually Not diabetic quite. in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah. AM I'm diabetes. Yeah, yeah. I'm cured in the evenings. Pretty standard. Yeah. Um, a few I, glasses of wine cure that right up. Huh? Oh yeah. Dries it right out. I, 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 
I like um, Dr. Fauci. I think he loves his country. I think he means well. I think he's well intended. But I'm waiting yeah, yeah, for the big three dots. Big boom. No, that's, that's all I have to say. No, that's all you have. <laughs> and he's never gotten anything wrong this whole pandemic. He's been spot. Yeah, 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 exactly. He got warning about the pandemic wrong. Little he bit got wrong. surface transmission as opposed to airborne. Small error. Which minor. was, by the way, it's not the riddle of the Sphinx. It, it's identical to <laughs> SARS-CoV-1 transmission, <laughs> aerosolized virus. Ball dropped. And uh, the mask thing. And then He got wrong one way or the other. One way or the other he's getting it Quiet wrong. about okay. schools. That was, vaccine. Actually, no, he was vocal about keeping them closed. Actually, there's, I have a dozen, right. half a dozen quotes of him keeping mm. them closed. When DeSantis reopened, he was against it. Yeah. Mm. And then the vaccine allocation guidance overly complex. One dose age versus based. Oh, age-based. That was one. And also he was against the one dose to everyone which absolutely the UK, against which it, right that was a, we may not be talking about boosters if we would have spaced them out because you get better immune protection better coverage oh, that's another good point yeah. the fact that we crammed them together in 21 days where the antibodies are going to wane in a way that wouldn't have happened if you did it 16 weeks or 28 weeks or something and, like and that and vaccine uptake might, might have been higher of early course, on if yeah. you just said hey just just take one right now and then we'll think and you know why else also all the people who had the dose two reactions telling their friends uh, about yeah, how they totally. felt like me you would you would silence that whole thing up right because they wouldn't have had the dose two reaction. Right. I, I, I did a video that got something like 15 million views on Facebook where I was like, dude, Dose 2 sucks balls, guys. It's terrible. It's <laughs> he, terrible, but would, you still he, should do it. He filmed it from his bed and he was under the covers. Help me, guys. No, I'm cold. You, no, you don't get off the hook. I interviewed you the day that I had those symptoms. Oh, yeah. I was on the tail end of that. Now, like, he's talking to, you know, at, at his Freaking transmission speed, which is like, yeah, there's 30 different things with the study. I'm at Omicron news speed. I'm at AAV minus 10. And I'm like, Rigering here. I'm like, yeah, tell him, tell him, Vinay. You tell him. Okay, so yeah, natural immunity. Natural immunity, he got wrong because he doesn't acknowledge it. That resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of Americans. How do you calculate that? Because it, we were giving vaccines to people already immune uh, for a mm, long time when we were yeah. supply constrained. That's and there was true. actually an analysis published in Annals of that's Internal Medicine point. doing a, a calculation of the tens of thousands of people whose lives could have been saved. Because this was right when the cl- was climbing in, yeah, uh, in the winter of last right. year. And right? they were, people were desperate, like rich people were cutting in line. Remember that? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich people. You did a whole thing on that. And, and Stanford have. professors. Didn't they get uh, in oh, the, board yeah. members, yeah. a lot of people with BLM on their on their profiles. All of a sudden, their life matters more. S- mm. Insert themselves in the vaccine line oh. ahead of more vulnerable populations. Oh. So not acknowledging natural immunity resulted in the unnecessary deaths of tens of thousands of vulnerable Americans who were clamoring for a vaccine. And we said, there's not enough for you just yet. And we lost a lot of people in that January, February wave. So it's so I mean it's so frustrating. But, now we won't talk about therapeutics like fluvoxamine. It's just nonstop. And he actually was also pro uh, border uh, travel bans for Omicron. That's right. Oh right, yeah. Well, he, don't do much. in fairness to him, he said when he was asked about travel bans uh, or vaccine requirements in general for travel, a little unrelated, he said, "If the White House wants to do it." Then I would support it. What the hell? That's what kind well, of. I thought he mean? represents science, yeah. not politics. Well, I think some would suggest that he's gotten too tainted by politics, mm. and he should have. He should be speaking up about a lot of a lot of issues that he has not spoken out about, like. Where is the data on reinfections from the CDC? Why are we learning everything we're learning from Israeli studies right. and not from the CDC? Right. And of course, the gain of function thing. You know, I'm not one of these people to look back and assign blame, but. Let's just agree now, once and for all, Dr. Fauci, if you're listening, that we should you know ban he's listening right now. 
All, <laughs> we loves should us. <laughs> loves us. Ban, and all the gain, pro gain of function scientists out there, we should ban gain of function of any kind forever in perpetuity. Let's all agree. I mean, that's something we should agree to right now. And what, is, yet, what is the remind me again? What, what was what's the upside to the gain of function? Well, so right here's there? the thing: when more you, function, more function. Yeah. When you have um, an old guard medical establishment, and that, let's let's be honest. Look at the age of Dr. Kessler, who's behind the scenes in the White House. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins. Are you saying you don't like your leaders to all be close to 80 with uh, – With telomeres the size of an – With running leadership for 30 years in a federal agency. we got a small group of people making all the decisions. There's no ethnic diversity and there's no age diversity in that group. Now, That's racist, buddy. So um, no comment. What about so, ideological <laughs> diversity? There's not really much oh, – There's zero opinions. ideological. Yeah, they yeah. Get the there's movement. cancellation of those other, other thoughts. Mm, yeah, but here's the, the thing yeah, is okay. that in the old school mindset that I believe – they're coming from. This is their bias. And we all bring biases, right? But this is their bias. To sequence something used to take months or years, right? That was Collins's big project, mm-hmm. right? So in the old days, you would want to, you wouldn't have time to sequence a new virus. So you would want to almost Frankenstein uh, manufacture it in a laboratory to, have it right. to be able to work on it, right? Mm-hmm. But now technology has improved and you can sequence an entire genome in 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I also think that like yeah. uh, there are risks to gain a function research. Well, That's we got, will agree. We got burned badly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And then uh, there, the the benefits are largely theoretical. So uh, if it, it, I don't think there's any evidence that there are benefits to doing research. So I would agree with you that uh, I wouldn't recommend doing it, and I'd probably halt all the funding to do it. Do you know about the 2012 ferret study? Uh, it's obviously one that I have pinned on my refrigerator. Yeah. I saw <laughs> <laughs> Did you say the 2012 or the 14 ferry? Oh, yeah, yeah. How but many was... studies are on your refrigerator? <laughs> it's just, it's, they're it's like vintage tough. wines. He has a cellar full yeah. of different <laughs> studies. ferret studies. I was like, yeah. did you want the ferret from 2014? Oh, oh, the 2014 okay. ferret. Reprints, the original reprints. You ever get yeah. those emails? Can you send me your, a reprint of your article? Like, yeah. It's online, bro. Yeah, we have computers. You have a dot matrix printer? Just yeah. Brrr. Print it out. Yeah. And if it's not online, just ask the NSA. Well. Give you a copy. <laughs> so in 2012, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins were still promoting gain-of-function research. They wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post and they were – this was pre-2012. I think it was 2010. They were just talking about why we need to be doing this in very controlled settings as if that's you know, 100% reliable. Yeah. yeah. So just ask anyone who's looked, worked in a lab. And um, that's the Chernobyl employees. Where do you put your coffee? Where do you put your coffee? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like to keep it. Exactly. I just see Homer Simpson at the controls. Hey, this thing. (laughs) Is this the vial of the good virus or the bad virus? Flanders. So um, Chernobyl people aside. So in 2012, Fauci funded a research study to do gain-of-function research of an influenza virus that was done in Wisconsin and another center, I can't remember. And so what they did is they juiced up an influenza virus and infected ferrets. It was more contagious and it was much more lethal, like a 60% lethality rate. And they infected different ferrets and it was controlled and then it was published. No leaks, nothing went wrong. And they published this. And the world scientific community read this publication funded by the NIH, and they basically reacted by, and I'm going to paraphrase, 
holy smokes, you did what? <laughs> no one should ever do this, ever. <laughs> and so the movement came about to ban all gain-of-function research, and they lobbied Obama in 2015 <clears throat> to create a moratorium on all gain-of-function research. And Fauci and Collins didn't like it. They lobbied against it, but it became the, the law. And then part of that moratorium was a committee that was going to be set up at the NIH to screen all research to see if it met the criteria, and then it would have the power to block that research. And that committee became nicknamed the Ferret Committee. <laughs> and the Ferret Committee, um, over time, over the subsequent five years, was dismantled internally by the bureaucracy, mm. by Dr. Fauci and by Dr. Collins, all documented in an amazing investigative journalism piece called Science in the Shadows in the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. They took their power away. They assigned people there who were weak. They changed the definition of gain-of-function research, and they changed their power from blocking research to purely advisory, and they continued to fund gain-of-function research around the world, including the Wuhan lab. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying those dollars directly fund funded this coronavirus, but that is the debate on gain-of-function research. Mm -hmm. And even though... They may not have juiced up this virus in the Wuhan lab. They had published another paper that they juiced up another virus. And even though gain-of-function research wasn't funded, may not have been funded at the Wuhan lab by those NIH dollars, it was 100% funded at other labs with NIH dollars directly and credited in the publications. Man, you know, and who's standing up for the ferrets? No one. <laughs> okay, the armadillos have their freaking lobby. That's the only reservoir to study mycobacterial replication in. Now they have a whole bunch of people picketing for armadillos. For, uh, I'm making this up. No, I have for, no idea. For leprosy. Uh, no. I think it's leprosy. leprosy. I think yeah, you're right. I think, I think it's leprosy. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Leprosy. Yeah, yeah. Hansen's disease. Sorry, you don't call it leprosy. That's racist. I'm with the- that, um, Well, they, yeah, they, they've you changed- You can't call it an eponym. You have to call it Hansen's disease. That doesn't sound right. I thought we're moving away from eponyms. No, yeah, actually, no Wegners, no, you know. I actually have no idea. I have no idea. But you're right. I don't know what you guys Rocky are talking about. Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. That's now called Omicron 2. Oh, you're right. It's named after the place. That's right. But you know, it's called Omicron. But when you make your travel ban, you want to make sure you get South Africa in that ban. Right? You, you want to make, make sure, sure it's you right only there. countries right. with brown people. Okay, only yes. countries yes. with brown people. Yes, <laughs> get the travel the, the, ban. Yeah. Right, the countries that have been described as Chitole countries, the South, the countries <laughs> in Southern Africa, the immediate travel ban. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of like your hypocrisy about the person who has the BLM bumper sticker getting in first in line for the vaccine. The yeah. person who is. Uh, against calling it uh, variants by the region that identifies them or is known for them because that's racist is pro-travel ban. It's pro-travel ban, yeah. yeah. And look, B I think BLM was a healthy conversation. It's not a criticism no, of it's, BLM, but it's... It's look, criticism it, look, hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. It's total hypocrisy. Right, of right. the white person with the BLM sticker. It's who, like what you said, people insisting kids have to be vaccinated even though they had natural... None of yeah. these people got their kids vaccinated no. for influenza mm. ever. We talk one thing out of one side, th these people, I mean, them, we. I'm gonna say we because I'm in the Zoomocracy and then we do a totally different thing. But at Doctors least, at least you way. talk what you do. Yeah, that's true, because I have no filter because yeah. of my frontal lobe damage. But wait, back to your, uh, your thing about gain of function. So I guess uh, it sounds like you're building a convincing case that gain of function puts us at high risk and has very little upside and is no longer necessary with the speed of sequencing. So that's probably right. faux pas. Not do it. And there, this is, people are hungry for honesty and humility right now among public health officials. Come out and say, look, we shouldn't have supported gain-of-function research. We, with good intentions, thought there was value to it and to save lives. We now recognize the risks don't outweigh the benefits. We are calling for an all-out international ban of gain-of-function research. 
And an investigation into the origins of COVID-19. I don't think you're going to learn anything from doing anything. You don't it's think already so? No. They've, they've flushed everything in the toilet oh, after true. they burned it in a bonfire. <laughs> yeah, but the NSA still has the, the phone I mean, records. <laughs> you just listen to those. I think the way you find out is you have to have like unfettered access to the people who work in the laboratory. Yeah. Interview them. yeah. And waterboard them. Witness no, I, yeah. <laughs> no, you need to like fly them out to a place and provide them like safe. Also positive waterboarding. Yeah. Right. Like Safety. And their family. You'd have to yeah. fly yeah. Oh, yeah. all 200 contacts right. the, of everybody who knows and that a person. village in China has 3 million people. So I hope you got a good budget for this, bro. Wow, that's a stat. Yeah, I made that up, but <laughs> no. it feels right. Well, no, no, I mean like a small town in China. Yeah, but it's, it's one child policy, so there's families maybe. You could, oh, yeah, you could, yeah, yeah, they're more know, contained. Maybe, that's true, know. that's true. We'll only get men, that's okay, the problem. So, so what you're saying about Fauci, though, is you think there's a few places you could criticize. Just yeah. a few. At least 10. 25. Uh, maybe 16. But I mean, I guess to, to think about a science, he's, I mean, yes, he's a scientist, but he's been acting like a policymaker. That's what we yeah, talked about on that's our show. The, that's the on VPZD that's podcast. The VPZT, VPZD, number two, two podcast, podcast in the nation yeah. on science. Two weeks in a row. Suck at Sam oh. Harris. <laughs> what, hack. what category? No, no actually, is I actually, actually like Sam Harris. I do too. Yeah, me too. Okay, so. Be a, let us on your show, please, Sam. Please, <laughs> please Sam. <laughs> <laughs> What's the category that you're number two science. in? Science. Why, really? Why do you got to go there, I put us in science. Obviously, it was general interest. Yeah, come on, Marty. Come on, Marty. What's wrong with you, Marty? He assumed it was a category. I thought it was general interest. Of course. What would it be? Yeah, it's it, just I science. I mean, it's of it's general interest. Not just science. To non-scientists. <laughs> it is, I am, we are, we're, we're almost, science. yeah, we're almost science. We're almost science. We have to just beat uh, Hidden Brain. Shankar Vedantam. Yeah. But oh, Shankar Vedantam, he, he's a brother. He can't be, he can't be dethroned. He's I mean, a brother, he's yeah. No, no, no. I'm 50% good. science. What's the other 50%? Yeah, it's kind of half-baked dogma that's <laughs> laced in, laced that's in opinion. That's a good sense of insight. Yeah, I'm like 30% mysticism, <laughs> uh, 5% tar, you know, from cigarettes. Just because I think, you know. But here, can we learn from bedside clinical wisdom? Because right now you have all of these doctors in South Africa saying, this is what we're seeing on the ground. And you're having this dismissal mm. that we cannot make any conclusions until we have an RCT. Yeah, and these, these guys actually brought it to our attention. And how do we reward them? Okay, you're off the map. We That's shut first down. mistake. Yeah. When you find a variant, you, you keep it quiet until I tell you you can say something about exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Shh. If you're Zip coming it. from Africa, if you're in that's Africa. Right. Otherwise, it's different. You know, they're probably different. But rules. let's just say, like, if, if China identified some mutation and variant, I promise you that news ain't going to nature first. You no know, way. it's going through the premiere. No, it's, yeah, going, it's, through, going, through the it's going through the Greek letter Z. Yeah. All right. It's going, XI. It's going to XI. It's going to she. Exactly. Yeah, right. It's going to, yeah. It's really going to get there. Yeah. They're like, this variant doesn't exist. I, I think we had a hard out at like 12.15. We got five minutes though. Right. Oh, okay. 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 Why not? Why not? Why not? Five I'll minutes. Five How minutes. are we going to? Okay. Let's bring this. Okay. First of all, I want to say something. Yeah. A little meta analysis yeah. here. Since this guy's a podcast host, it's funny. I go off the rails, say something stupid, frontal lobes release. I'm like snouting all over the place because <laughs> of my brain disease. This guy always brings it back. So Marty, what you're saying is this. And I got to say, he's a, I need him permanently on my on your hip, on my left here. Well, I will say my my takeaway is the first five minutes I was disoriented. I keep looking at my own page face and stupid thing. I wasn't looking at the right spot. And then I was like really discombobulated. I'm not used to being on this side of the table. It's a weird side to be on. It's stressful. I, they don't really know how absolutely close we're sitting together. Yeah, it looks like we're miles apart because yeah. the camera adds five pounds. But listen, we're practically but Siamese twins. Actually, it's one chair. I don't know if they know that. We have twin-twin transfusion twin, right now. It's like one we chair. may have yeah. to sacrifice but one of us in order to be born us. safely. He's a, he's a surgeon. Oh, he he could, could, yeah. Have you he, ever done a yeah, Siamese twin separation? In your career? Didn't Carlson do that? Isn't that how uh, Ben Carson. Ben yeah, Carson. That was yeah, his specialty, yeah. yeah. Brain doctor. I've never been involved in a Siamese twin separation. Could you imagine your specialty being Siamese twin separation? Yeah. Like how many of those 
he did for the ones that are cranially attached, but yes. can't they be attached to any part of the body? Yeah, and he's traveled all over the world. Yeah. Wow. you never done one? <laughs> I've never. I mean, that's like the Whipple for like, uh, you know, general surgery, right? Ah, it's a, like a liver biopsy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I see. The worst is when they're attached at the testicles. Because they, <laughs> because then you have, to, you have to get like urology to, and there's such a pain in the butt, dude. With that comment, you just went from being number two to number one. Yes. <laughs> number one category. That's what it takes. Shankar. But here's Sorry. something I was going to say that um, is, is semi-serious, as ser- at least as serious as I get. Okay is we can learn from individuals. We can learn from cases. We can learn from patients. We can learn from the bedside observation of doctors. Instead, we have this rigidity that we can only learn from an RCT. And if the RCT doesn't show us what we already want to believe, we need a second RCT. Mm. And if a second RCT shows us what we don't want to believe, we just don't talk about it. If they're in cancer, I can tell you that you know, I've kind of drifted into this uh, hybrid pancreas autotransplant community now. But pancreas has always been my clinical focus. And in pancreatic um, surgery, people are interested in what the outliers are doing. When I tell a patient, you've got a pancreatic cancer, they're not interested in what is the median of the overall group. They want to know who beat this mm-hmm. and how did they beat it. And what were the characteristics of those who beat it? There's a case of stage four uh, GBM, glioblastoma multiforming. And the person basically beat it. They're 20 years out and there's no evidence to recurrence. It's Which unbelievable. Of, yeah. It's unheard of. It's, I don't know if it's ever been described. And uh, people, actually, most of the time we see some appearing miracle like this, that there was a mistake in the path or the diagnosis. This path has been re-reviewed every year in a teaching conference. It's stage four GBM. What happened? In that case, turns out that the patient developed after the resection of the tumor a bad infection of the surgical resection bed. And the abscess was relieved with a second procedure where they removed the bone plate, re- removed the, you know, drained the infection, and then the in a stage immunotherapy. procedure. Yeah. It might have triggered immunotherapy. But actually, you know, in like the 1800s, that Coley's toxin guide, MSKCC, used to inject people with cancer into the lymph node with like pus. And he did actually engender a few of these very durable immunotherapy responses, but it's sort of similar to what you're saying. Yeah, it's like the, maybe so – I don't, don't tell everyone people to inject. No, of course. The, no, of course. But, no, no. But you're saying that discovery happens when you have your eye open to uh, unusual findings. And we listen to ideas that are different from deeply held assumptions that we otherwise have. Yeah. As long and, as those are said by people who we like. We like. We like. On Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. <laughs> No less. Well, Actually, no. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the, I mean, I think the last thing we should talk about for a couple of minutes is uh, the pandemic of lunacy, yeah. you called it. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you... Fear not. I mean, you said we're two, we're dealing with two pandemics. Yeah, I listened to your recent podcast and then I texted him because I said I really liked it. Um, that one pandemic, of course, is SARS-CoV-2. But what is this pandemic of lunacy you talk about? And where is its origin? Pandemic of lunacy, I think it's the Twitter variant. It's a gain of fear research. Yeah, it's a gain of fear <laughs> research. And there are some people who are experimenting. Oh, yes, Twitter. they are. They're yeah, doing some it quite of them. well. Some major organizations. With emojis in their little... Oh. I'm impressed. I don't <clears throat> really read Twitter. I, I just put stuff out there. Like if I put out an article or a piece... I dump and run, yeah. And I just assume dump and run. <laughs> dump and run or drive-by shooting is another. <laughs> yes, right? yes. But basically um, put something out there. And then just not look. Because you people get so preoccupied. And there are a lot of people probably listening and watching. And somebody's put a comment on their page or their, something they've posted. And they're so distraught by it. People would never act like that in a face-to-face civil conversation. But they're anonymized. 
and they do these they throw these grenades so um <clears throat> all that to say that this pandemic that we're dealing with now a pandemic of lunacy i call it and it's not to it's not to dismiss what's happening right now with covid-19 in with covid-19 there's a very surgically precise problem 10 to 20 million americans are adults with a risk factor and no immunity, no vaccinated or vaccinated or natural immunity. And they are dying and they're continuing to die in high numbers. And we have to do everything possible to encourage them to be safe, avoid these risks, get vaccinated quickly and to do it today. That is our challenge. It's not Omicron. It's not mild illness. It's not positive case numbers. It's not the Georgetown kids in college. It's not mm -hmm. the kids in solitary confinement at Georgetown University. It's not a two-year-old with a mask on. It's not a two-year-old without a mask on. It's either. not a cloth mask and a two-year-old that wants to join their parents in a coffee shop. It is a very precise problem of a vulnerable population that we're not talking about. With a risk factor, we still don't talk about obesity. Mm. And instead, this sort of blanket policies indiscriminate across the whole population. <clears throat> that is something we're not talking about right now because we're distracted with all these other issues. The other issue is this sense of, oh, here's a theoretical construct by which somebody could be harmed by one of those people. Mm. And we saw this before with the highly stigmatized HIV, HIV virus. Yeah. Right. There would be a kid in the school with HIV and you'd have- People wouldn't want to hug that kid. Yeah. People would not want to be near it. People wouldn't let their kids go to that school. Yeah, yeah, no, and you'd terrible. say, awful, the doctors awful. would say, hey, kid wait a gets minute. gets it from a transfusion. Yeah. That's right, there's no, there's no contact transmission. There's no documented case. People say, well, theoretically, they could cut themselves on the playground and that could go into an exposed wound on somebody's lip. You remember and people didn't want to play with magic when magic came out. And said that's right. Yeah. People, I think it was Carl Malone who said, I don't want to play with that guy. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? right, and, right, and I guess right. your point is that uh, we should at least now look back at this and say how disgraceful it was that we ever succumbed to let our fear be so great. We wouldn't show compassion and humanity to people. That's right. And now we have fallen into it yet again because we show no compassion or humanity to people who are getting very sick from this virus, who are mostly a risk to themselves and not to us who have been vaccinated yeah. and yeah. we have no compassion left. And 10 years from now, we're going to look as despicable as we look because I remember being a kid and people saying those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our circles of compassion have shrunk rather than widened. Yeah. Mm. The natural progression of humanity is we widen our circles of compassion. It used to be just family, then it was tribe, then it was state, then it, then was, it was nation, ferrets. then it was ferrets. <laughs> yeah, the fair. minute we get to armadillos, yeah. that's when we've arrived. But you know, fear makes you narrow your circle. It when does, you're scared it does, it and does. anxious, <laughs> and then you go on this shitty website Contracts. that makes you lose your head. Actually, fear makes us contract in general. So yes. you may have an expansive sense of love and connection to other humans. The minute you get scared or your primal drive to survive is triggered, you contract and you can feel it. You feel it in the body, you feel it in interactions, and you feel it in the news, you feel it on Twitter, you feel it on social media. I guess well, I'd say this about Marty. I think that um, there's obviously a lot of people who love you, Marty, and a lot of people who have been critical of you. But I wish that people would acknowledge that even those people who have criticisms of you should acknowledge that your broader point that we need to think about the people at highest risk and do more for those people to lower their risk and think less about the people at low risk and how we can torture and, um, and screw up their lives. <laughs> like, I think everyone, how can that be even debated? Yeah. 
that like his broad point is right that you have to think less about the Georgetown kid mm-hmm. than the unvaccinated 85 year old right now in Alabama who's never had this virus before because that person is playing Russian roulette and this person is going to be fine. But that sounds like targeted protection, Vinay. Oh, yeah, what is it and then uh, Jay was saying focus that was protection. Focus protection, the Great Barrington Declaration. And how we, we know focus protection doesn't work. You know, like in, in medicine, we know you can't treat individuals differently. You just got to give medicines on the wards. You throw them out. You give everyone the same medicine. You know, we know. <laughs> we know ulcers aren't caused by H. pylori. We know. We, yes. know. we know. We know it's surface transmission. And if you don't wash your hands for 20 seconds, try to think Two of happy a birthdays. song. Two happy birthdays. <laughs> happy Not birthdays. one. Two happy birthdays is better than one. <laughs> But you know, it's the QR code that gets me. Oh, that's the best. The QR code. Although I will say what is, this. What is the QR code? So for oh, menus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know what one is. No, no, right. you go to the restaurant, the restaurant and you like scan the code. It's Bay Area thing. Yeah, you wait for your menu <laughs> you to load. Because they you'll... don't want to give you a hand up menu. Oh, right? yeah. They, they want, want you to touch that. the QR code, laminated thing, and that yes. has got. <laughs> yeah. That's a filthy QR code. Although I will say this. So there's a Japanese restaurant I go to here in San Mateo. You order ah, through the thing. We've you been pay there. through the thing. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, that's one, and there's another one I'm going to oh, take you to. Okay. And uh, it's great because you don't have to talk to another human being <laughs> until they come when you complain <laughs> that they got the order wrong that you put <laughs> in so clearly on the thing. Another way to dehumanize. And they're story. masked and you're not. Uh, that's, of course. Uh, that's, that's very... Very good. Only the uh, only the people who are helping at dinner parties masks, and I think that's another part of the problem. You mm. talked about it in your podcast. Mm. Go to these galas, you watch these politicians. You know. Now, if anything, you could say, "Well, you're protecting them," but they're wearing garbage masks. It's not like they're wearing surgical or N95. Yeah, that's another thing, Marty. Why can't we all agree that like cloth masks are garbage? Yeah, like even if you, <laughs> I don't know, even the most vocal masking person, why are they encouraging the use of the the mask that doesn't work? Yeah. I don't get it. We have these massive arguments with COVID over the most peripheral issues like cloth mask versus no mask in somebody already immune. (laughs) 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 Or an age group like kids Uh, 5 to 17 where we don't have any documentation that healthy kids are even at risk of dying of this. Now, there's still risk of MISC and other things, but – Look what we've Although done. Although MIC's fallen actually with Delta, didn't it? It's been decoupled a little bit. It has. The numbers are down. And that German study was pretty powerful yeah. that just came out. All right. Uh, well, you mean Hasselhoff at all? That's my favorite know, German no. author. It's, it's pinned right next to the Hasselhoff. ferret study on my refrigerator. So, okay. So, I think we're good. calling this Pandemic of Lunacy. I think that's the title of this episode. I that's think it perfectly uh, summarizes everything we talked about. Uh, people are going to think we're. Did not igno- not oh, recognizing right, right. the so we can't important. call it that. He's They're right, he's think. right. Because it okay, is a real pandemic. It's a second. It's, it's, no, no, no. It's a second the year. thumbnail second. is th- pandemic of lunacy. The title is real pandemic, also lunacy. Or how about uh, a conversation of rationality? Ooh, that'll no, never nobody sell. Nobody will click on no that. One will click <laughs> that. It's accurate and this it's is true. Why, this is why your podcast, your YouTube podcast, only gets like a million views. No, it's also it's also why plenary session is a is a is a is a cult classic. <laughs> With titles like cancer, can we ever fix this particular unusual type of thing in the study apparatus? Yeah, it's like titles like ALL drug, uh, nilarabine. Was it a good approval? (laughs) By the way, we're seeing in, at least in the patients I talk to, massive national shortages of chemotherapy drugs. Oh, that's true. I mean, we have decarbazine shortage. We are... Uh, like, uh, I guess I just was like one thing. Like, it's a super big problem. It's related to all this global disruption. Mm-hmm. And some of the drugs that you're shorting are drugs that are curative. And if you mm-hmm. short a curative drug, you've got, uh, you're Murder going to have, your hands, yeah, you're going to yeah. have increased deaths on Leomycin, your Leomycin. Yeah. For Hodgkin's. Yeah. Abraxane. 
I know we use abruxin with pancreatic cancer. I think breast that's also, the, you would know. Patrick Sunshun, you know, Patrick. Uh, ah, that's how he made his billions? His 11 bills. Yeah. Oh, that's, that that's disgusting. 11 billion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From one. that one drug. And it's one billion. I mean, I, I invented blue fartain, but no one's paid me shit for that. <laughs> do you also aspire to one billion? I, I just want the doors to do this party. I, just, you know, modest I, goals are good. I just want a car without a dent on the side. <laughs> He's seen his dad. We gotta go. I'm sorry. We gotta I go. I'm sorry I did that. Dan. Um, <laughs> you're the okay. best, Marty. I love Good you. Good to see you guys. I love you. Yeah. Uh, like an obese child loves a high glycemic <laughs> index food. And uh, and I know you like I've never known you. <laughs> we finally got to touch <laughs> each other. Yeah, okay. Well, this was um, an experiment. It was fun. This was this a lot of cool. fun. And keep pushing the field. And thanks for what you guys are doing. And Same to you, Marty. You too, brother. Keep going out. Different ideas are good. Yeah, conversations are good. I'll tell these guys. Share the show. Become a supporter. ZDougMD.com forward slash supporters. Oh, but more importantly, watch the VPZD show on all the platforms. You can find it everywhere. Leave a review. Leave a review because that we got to get past Junker. Listen, we're gonna kill, we're gonna get him. We've already just totally slapped Sam Harris across his meditative face. All right, I'm like, oh, you like atheism? Here you go. Wap science. I'm kidding. I love Sam Harris. I do. Like I really do. All right, guys, I love you, and we are out. Thanks, Marty. Great. Good to see you guys. <laughs>